0: Chapter five, verse twenty is where we'll start, and we have been going through the book of Romans, very detailed book. Um, Paul is making an airtight defense of the good news. Uh, you know Romans chapter one verse sixteen, Paul says very pointedly, "I am not ashamed of the gospel." For it is the power of God to salvation to those who believe, to the Jews first, and also to the Greeks. Paul, in this entire book, he's putting out there the good news of what God has done for us. That's what I want you to know. It, this message, is the power of God to salvation. And Paul has been very detailed. He uh, is very specific. He answers questions that that people might ask. He, he defends different issues in, in this book. And so there's a lot to it. We've been spending uh, time, uh, not necessarily going quickly, but uh, going through it specifically. And Paul is doing that with much care because he knows that any distortion of this message If the message of what God has done for us is changed at all, then it's not the good news. Um, If if something is missed, it's so important there's eternal consequences to that. And we're so prone to add things uh, to a message like the gospel, right? We're so prone to add laws and regulations, do this, don't do that. And yet Paul has been very specific to say, this is the good news. God has loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and, And it wasn't anything that we could do or earn, but it was a free gift that God offers to us. So in chapter five, Paul has taken some time. We saw last week to point to our family tree. Right, uh, that in Adam we're all fallen, we're all sinners, and the wages of sin being death. Death reigned from Adam until the law was given. But Jesus, we saw there in chapter five, Jesus, the righteous one, comes and offers us a new family tree, um, forgiveness and righteousness in what He's done. For us, and it all comes from being born again, we saw at the end. Being born again, as Jesus says in John chapter 3, a new life in Christ. So, here in chapter 5, verse 20, Paul takes us from Adam through Noah to Abraham and all the way to Moses and the law. Moses, right? The law in verse 20 look at it. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul takes them to the law. Moses, the law came down there on Mount Sinai. And Paul here would say, what happened when the law came? Well, we were well aware of how much we broke the law, <laughs> right? The law came so we could look in you know, black and white, so to speak, and, and see, we failed. We failed in this. We failed in that, in our heart, in our works, all these things we failed. And that's what the law did. Notice. The offense might abound with the law. We realize more and more how we fail in righteousness. So nothing really. Uh, I mean, that's that's not good news. That's that's more bad news. And and Paul says, but that's okay. Look at verse twenty-one, because as sin reigned in death there through the law, so grace might reign through righteousness. Uh, in verse twenty, there uh, as sin abounded, offense might abound, uh, grace abounded, much more. So as we realize in all of this, how much we fail, we realize how good God is to forgive us. Now, think about that. As we realize how much we fail, we also then realize how much God's loved us then, how much God has um, saved us from, and that's good. Now, That's what Paul points them to, the law. Can't save you, but it shows you how much you fail. Now, at this moment there, between chapter five and six in our Bible, uh, Paul anticipates a a question. And, and, you know, some things are like this, right? Uh, Something I've been realizing lately is, is how predictable things are when I get home. Not when I get to the house, like what people are going to say, what my wife is going to say, or what the kids are going to say. But when I get to the driveway, this has been happening lately, and it's really strange. When I get to the driveway, almost without fail, my wife calls. She calls me right as my tire hits the driveway. And she says, hey, where are you at? (laughs) And, And I said, well, I'm in the driveway, you know. And without fail, this has happened. I don't know if this happens to everybody. I don't know if it's some kind of radar that she has for me or something. But now when I hit the driveway and she without fail calls and says, where are you at? I just start laughing, right? Because I anticipate that. She's gonna call, she's gonna ask and I'm gonna be right there, you know? Well, Paul kind of has a similar thing here. He's had it happen so many times that when he mentions that we're not saved by the law, that the law doesn't save us, the law just shows us how much God has done for us. It just shows us grace. I think Paul pictures that guy in the third row, left side, maybe, I don't know, that raises his hand and goes, well, look, Paul, if you're saying that the law doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter what we do, right? Right? you're saying that it doesn't matter if we do the right thing or the wrong thing, God still loves us. It doesn't matter, right, Paul? Is that what you're saying? Now, Paul anticipates that because nobody's asked that question in chapter six, but he brings it up, and he's, he brings it up throughout his letters. Notice chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then, guy on the third row left side? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So here, Paul, wanting to make sure that nobody has an excuse, that everybody's getting it, says, you might be saying, you probably are saying, if what we do doesn't matter, if the law doesn't matter, then we can do whatever we want. That sounds about right, doesn't it? If God will forgive us, no matter what we do, then we can just live however we want to live. And Paul here says, verse two, certainly not, God forbid, perish the thought, You know, don't ask that kind of question. But since you are asking that question, let's talk about it. And that's what Paul approaches here in the first part of chapter six. Paul defends um, the the purpose of the law and our relationship to the cross. Now, this may seem then like a rabbit trail, but it's not. Uh, Shall we continue to sin that That grace would abound no now he goes on to explain the why and we're glad that he explains the why in verse three and four because it tells us so much about our relationship to sin Uh, it talks about baptism we'll notice here Uh, what is baptism biblically speaking Why is it important? What does it represent? These questions are answered here. And that's, again, why next week, if it's something that you or someone you know or love uh, would like to be a part of, we're gonna have a time of baptism. Let's look at it in verse three. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also uh, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, who we were, was crucified with, Him with Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Paul here says, when you were baptized, now I, I have a lot of fond memories of baptisms. Um, my own baptism uh, there in Bible college and uh, others, um, a few of you, in my memory are, are with uh, when we did youth camp. We'd have summer camp and at the end of the youth camp, we would uh, offer the opportunity for kids you know, after a week of spending time in the word to, to be baptized. Uh, you know, We'd have them call their parents and say, is that okay? And we would do that. And you know, it was great because kids would come from all over on this hillside, you can kind of picture it. They'd come down to uh, a little lake there and and they would come after a week of spending time in the word, they would come and and just amazing things would happen. It was sweet. Um, But I would always ask them, I would always ask them, well, why do you want to get baptized? Uh, Because I didn't want them just to come because, well, everybody else is doing it. I wanted them to understand, why do you want to get baptized? And I remember one little girl, one junior high girl who came to me with these big brown eyes. And, and I said, got down. <laughs> I said, why do you want to get baptized? And she said, he's just so nice. And I said, that's a good reason. <laughs> you know, God has just been so good to me. I want to I want to give my life to him. I want to live my life. For him, I remember also um, not that long ago uh, a baptism over in the pool here. Uh, I think it was your uncle, wasn't it, Misty uh, and Ashley? Uh, uncle uh, Bill, uh, who who had some terminal cancer going on, and yet God had really done a work in his heart there in the end. And and he came. I mean, later on in life, and his father came. It was like way later on in life and and just ask that same question. Well, why do you want to get baptized? Well, because God's done so much for me. Well, because I want to live my life for him. And, And it's just so sweet to see here. Paul says this, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Now, baptism doesn't save you. That might be a story for another time. A study for another time. But baptism, according to the Bible, doesn't save you, but Jesus says when you are saved, you ought to confess with your mouth. And baptism really does that. It confesses what's going on in our heart. Now, we don't have much time, so, so follow. Notice in verse 3, you were baptized uh, into Christ Jesus, and you were baptized into his death. So in baptism, we see this amazing picture. It's obedience for sure, but it's this amazing picture of what's happened in our hearts. It begins by going into the water, traditionally going into the water and going under the water. And when the kids would come at camp, I would, I would, be there with them. And I'd say, you know, you're going to go under the water. And that's a picture here, as Paul says, of dying with Jesus. As Jesus died on the cross, the same way you're dying with him. You're dying to who you were. You're dying to your sin. All these different things, you're going to go under the water. And Paul here says, it symbolizes that we died with him. Now, six twenty three, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Sin deserves is death. But if we all died for our sins, well, we'd all be dead. But Jesus died in our place. He took our place and we relate to him in this same way. There in verse five, we've been united together in the likeness of his death. Verse six, our old man was crucified with him, who we were in the past crucified with Jesus there on the cross. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 very quickly, verse 20, classic passage on this. Galatians 2.20, Paul says there about the cross, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So What happens there on the cross is that we're crucified by faith. We're crucified. We die with Jesus. He takes our place is maybe a better way to put it. And and that's amazing. Because that means that who we were, everything we've done, all of our sin goes on him every rotten thing that we've ever done goes on Jesus and he dies for us. So we read then also in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And, and that's what happens there symbolically in our heart as we go under the water we realize it's not us anymore. Our sin, who we were, all taken care of on the cross, we die with Jesus there. And baptism's a symbol of that. Now, check it out. For us, it means a lot. It's a confessing of our mouths, what's happened in our hearts. For the early church, this was huge, right? In the early church, when people would get baptized there in public, They were telling everybody around them, you know what? I don't care what you do to me. I don't care if I lose my family. I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care if I lose my life. I wanna follow Jesus with everything that I am. I wanna follow Jesus. And when they would go under that water, when they would confess with their mouth, uh, so many times it would cost them uh, their life. But it symbolizes it's no longer I who live. I'm crucified with Christ. Just as Jesus died, I die with him. What a beautiful thing that our sin is taken care of. Now, one thing, though, about baptism that's good to notice is you come out of the water right? <laughs> you always have that fear, don't you? <laughs> that I'm going to go under the water, and maybe they might just leave me there, you know? <laughs> but typically, you come out of the water, and this represents the flip side of what God has done for us. Not only as we died to our sin, not only did we die to our sin, we're raised together with Him in newness of life. Um Back in Romans, Romans chapter 6, notice verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no, no longer has dominion over him. So the resurrection is also seen here in baptism as you come out of the water. So this is what it looks like when baptism is going on. You go under the water relating to Jesus' death. You come out of the water relating to his resurrection and his new life. And Paul here says, we then get a new life. So follow this, come back and follow this. All of our sin paid for Jesus' death. We reckon the old man dead. But then God gives us a brand new life. Old things are passed away, all things become new. And it's wonderful that God offers us this newness of life. That's really why Paul in Philippians chapter one, verse 21 would say, for me to live is Christ, right? Because it's that resurrection life, it's no longer Paul, who lives, it's Jesus living through him. It's no longer you that lives, it's God living through you. And that's wonderful as an ambassador, right? We become Jesus ambassadors to the world. But even more than that, we have a newness of life in him. Um, notice, to tie it together here, to apply what, what Paul's been saying, he says, should we sin then? the grace may abound no way we died to sin we died to our own life we died to our rights we've been giving a new life in Christ so so there's no room to just go on living a life of sin it doesn't make sense with with who we are check it out our past then is dead now I realize in my life, and I've talked about this before, I have plenty of regrets in my life. Man, I still have things that I can look back on and it just tears me apart. What I did, how I treated that person, all these different things. I can look back and I have lots of regrets. You probably do too. In Christ, we're a new creation. Old things are passed away. We're crucified with Christ. All those things are gone at the cross. That's good news, right? All that I did, all that I was, gone. be I mean, forgiven. Now, it seems like the enemy in our own conscience bug us with guilt all the time. But we need to remember if we're in Christ, all of that is done away with. That's not who we are. That's not how God sees us. Our sinfulness is dead. Now, we still struggle with sin, but we don't have to. We don't have to live in it. Paul's going to go on to say we don't have to be a slave to it. It's not who I am in Christ. It's a new existence. Now, that's the part that's important to remember as we go out this week. All that God's done for us, our past, totally forgiven, the guilt, not ours to bear. Jesus takes that too. He wants to. Even our bondage to sin. Jesus died to free us from that sin. Why would we live in it any longer? A lot of this is realizing who we are in Christ, is living it out, you know, is trusting in it when the enemy comes with the guilt and the condemnation, trusting in it, going back to the cross. But God, you love me, you died for me, you paid the price for that. The bondage to sin, it's a remembering God, you died so that I don't have to be a slave to this sin. I have a new life to represent you to this world around. And that's what God wants. By his spirit, by his grace, he wants to work out more and more in our life. Um, amazing, amazing truth to just trust what God said. God, God. This is that point where, again, I realize that all my talking only goes so far. God, we need your spirit to convince us in our own hearts. The past comes back to haunt us. Yet, we want to trust you. God, you've loved us and taken our sin. God, help us to leave it with you. God, there's sin in our own lives that we struggle with. Just the old man who we used to be coming back and we struggle with it. But yet, God, you paid the price so that we could be free from that. Shouldn't live in it any longer, but live a life that represents you. God, that's what we want. I know it's not willpower, I know it's you working it out in our life, So I just pray that you would make these things real to us. Uh, God, I just pray that this week uh, we would understand and see ourselves in Christ more and more and more. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for doing everything for us. You are so, so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.